So grab your Bible uh, and turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And we've been in a series of messages called Kingdom Cause. And to be honest, when I knew baptism weekend would fall in the middle of that series, and I was just going to kind of do a standalone uh, baptism message. But the more I prayed about it, I saw really the relevance of this conversation being a part of this series um, and really baptism being a part of this. And so I want to, I put together kind of a, I'm going to, don't get worried. I'm going to preach a shorter message, we think. And, and, um, but it's, I don't know, your laughter hurts. Um, but Romans chapter six, I, I want to dive into this text together because I felt like God gave me a word very specifically for today, very specifically, probably for some people. And we are baptizing today, and there are people who are already prepared, and you came ready to be baptized, and I'll dismiss you in just a minute. But I also want to say, and we do this every time, as we walk through this worship experience, if you come to a place where you're like, you know what, I I think I may need to be baptized, or there's something prompting you on the inside, or you feel a nudge, and you're like, I would like to be baptized, I want you to know we're prepared for you. We have clothes, towels, everything that you need in order to join us taking your next step in water baptism. Yeah. And so if at any point during this worship experience, you're like, you know, I kind of feel like, and, and, and some people will say this, well, how would I know it's God prompting me to be baptized? Let me help you with this. Because Satan has never led anyone to a baptism tank. All right. So, <laughs> so if you feel something stirring, I can tell you it's not the devil. All right. It's not him. He's not trying to get you baptized, all right? And so if you feel something like that today, we're prepared for you. It would be our honor to assist you and serve you, and we want to invite you to be a part. Uh, And if you're watching online from Longview um, and you need to get here, you just load up and come right now. We're waiting on you, all right? So, uh, all right, Romans chapter 6. I love, I love the book of Romans. How many, where are my Romans people? Like, I love this book of Romans because um, Paul had not yet been to Rome. He wanted to go to Rome. He ends up going to Rome, not in freedom, but in change. How many know God will even use the world systems? God will use what bounds you. Oh, you didn't get it. God will use your chains to bring glory to his name. Come on. That's almost tweetable. But anyways, I love the book of Romans because Paul is writing to the church of Rome. And what has happened? Claudius came into power and, and he expelled all, all the Jews. That He made them leave Rome. And so he, whether they were Orthodox or Messianic, meaning whether they believed in Jesus or not, and they're gone for five years. And then they come back and they had left the Gentiles in charge of the church. And you know things get messy when you leave Gentiles in charge of the church. And now they can't figure out what the dietary restrictions are and who's supposed to be circumcised and how they're supposed to have church. And so Paul is writing and he is trying to unify them because Paul wants to go to Rome and he wants to build, if you will, a base in Rome so he can take the gospel farther east. So he's trying to build home plate, a home base, but he's got to get them all in unity first. And that's why I think Romans is so succinct in its presentation And not only presentation, but application of the grace and the goodness of God and salvation. And so we're going to dive into Romans chapter 6 together. And I'm not going to apologize. I'm going to read several verses. But just like a steak restaurant does not apologize for giving you too much steak, I'm not going to apologize for reading too much scripture. I'm going to catch you up on your Devo time because it was rainy today and you overslept anyways. Okay, (laughs) Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, Paul says, and I'm reading New King James. I'm going a little bit old school, not all the way old school. I don't have the King James with the these and the thousands for which cause. And I don't have that, but I got some New King James just because I like the way it words things. 
just when you're raised a certain way, there's some, there's some language that gets your attention. And so Romans chapter six, verse one, it said, what shall we say then? Rhetorical question. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. All right, I just, want to, I just want to clear something up in the age of grace because I'm all about the grace of Jesus. I'm all about that grace, about that grace. No devil, thank you, Megan Trainer. right? I am all about the grace. It's amazing. No other words you can put with it. But I think there's a lot of people confused because they think grace is, is a license just to do whatever you want. And I want you to understand the man who wrote 28% of the New Testament and wrote more about grace than anybody else said, grace is not an excuse to be stupid. Amen. Just clearing that up. He said, how can you who have died to sin live any longer in it? If you're loving to live in it, maybe you haven't died to it yet. Right. Yeah. Or do you not know that as many as us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, just as Christ was raised from the dead for the glory, by the glory of God the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. Somebody say, new life. New life. Right. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we will also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has power or dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also, that's why I use New King James. I like this one verse. You also reckon. I just like the fact that reckons in the Bible. Because I was raised in East Texas, and I reckon it's in there. Reckon yourselves. It also reckon is where we get reconciled. In other words, reconcile that you are dead indeed to sin, but alive to God. You need to balance it up. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness to God. And now verse 14 is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And it says, for sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin shall not, will not, does not have dominion over you. For you are not under law, but under grace. Sin doesn't have dominion over you. You're not under law, but under grace. Let me pray for us. I called this message, by the way, kingdom conversion kingdom conversion. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, help us. Amen. I don't have a lot of time, so we just have to pray fast. <laughs> like he hears it. Sin doesn't have dominion over you. Why? Because you are not under law, but under grace. Paul is explaining how the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus is applicable to us. And not only does it apply to us, but it is experiential to us. He is explaining that, that, that coming to Christ is, is identifying with and experiencing in the same a death and a burial and a resurrection. He is explaining that Christ didn't die for you. He died as you. It was a substitutionary work where he took a man who had never committed a sin, 
took all of your sin, took all of your judgment, took all of your condemnation, carried your cross, died on it, was buried in your grave, and then was resurrected to the glory of God. He did not die for you. He died as you. And because he did not die for you, you do not live for him. Because he died as you, you live as him. There is a big difference between living for God and living from God. And so Paul is explaining this. In order to explain it, he is creating a picture ultimately of two governmental systems. There is essentially something he will call later in Romans 8. There is the law of sin and death, and there is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. There is a place of sin and there's a place of righteousness. Most of the time people don't understand this, but in Paul's writings, there is only one time in all of the book of Romans with all of the references to sin where he uses a verb, where sin is actually an action, activity, or behavior. Every other time he is using a noun indicating more a state of being as opposed to a behavior. So he is indicating here that there is a state of being in sin and there is a state of being in righteousness, almost as though these are opposing kingdoms, which we know they are, or opposing governments, because if they are different kingdoms, they have different governing structures, different authority, and different rule. Are, are you with me? And so he is saying sin does not have dominion. Why does sin not have dominion? Because you're not under the law of sin anymore. You are under the law of grace, the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. He's now explaining you have been translated from one kingdom to another, which he would write to the Colossians, right? And he'd say, you were in the kingdom of darkness. That's where you were born. That's where you showed up. But you have been translated, transferred, converted, moved to the, to the kingdom of his son. Some versions say the son of his Love that he was, and this was a deliverance. We were delivered. What were we delivered from? The rule, the law. So I have a little girl that lives with me. She's my daughter, which explains why she lives with me. Um, she is uh, Korean, so <laughs> she doesn't necessarily look like me, although she is very much my child. And we laugh because we are both Enneagram threes, and we care too much about what people think, and we care too much about clothes, and the boys make fun of us. But anyways, um, and we get bored, and we need to make Starbucks runs in the middle of the night and go get frozen custard because it's like we're bored. We should do something. Uh, the boys will never have an idea to go get those things in the middle of the night, but she and I will. Anyways, um, she was not born in the United States. She was born in Korea, in South Korea, where they talk slower and have sweet tea. And so she was, I'm just kidding. June. June, who is also from South Korea. Um, anyways. And so she was, I never even thought about that. It cracks me up. Anyways. Um, but she was born in, in, in Korea. But when we went through the process of adopting her at eight months old, they said, you can go and pick her up. And it's very interesting. On the way out of customs in, in, the, in the, the airport in Seoul, we had to go through immigration. And in, in that process of going through immigration, they canceled, revoked, ended her citizenship. 
And she was no longer a citizen of Korea. She was leaving for, for the last time. She was born. She had citizenship in Korea. But because she was being adopted by us, then, then, then they terminated her citizenship. And then she was translated to the United States. And we went through a process through which we stood before a judge. And the judge said, this is your daughter to the glory of God the Father. <laughs> and in that moment, when that gavel came down, she became a citizen of the United States of America and now has a United States passport. Interestingly enough, because she has been translated from Korea to the United States, now the laws of Korea no longer govern or have legal jurisdiction over her life. It does not matter who's in power it doesn't matter if they amend or change. It doesn't matter what the laws are in Korea. They do not affect her because she does not live in Korea. She's not a citizen of Korea. She has become a citizen of the United States of America. Paul, in the same way, is explaining to the Romans, you are no longer in the kingdom of darkness under the rule of the law of sin and death. You have been translated. The translation went like this. You came to faith in Christ, so you died at, with him so that you would be buried with him so you could be resurrected with him. And through that death and burial and resurrection, you have translated, you have moved from the place of of sin to the place of righteousness, from the prison camp of sin to the prison camp of righteousness for which now you live and stand and are in. And that this is not a process of behavior as much as it is faith. For instance, if you are in the, can someone who is not in relationship with Jesus, who is in the prison camp of sin, can they do good things? Yes, but do the good things translate them into the kingdom of righteousness? No, it's by, it's by grace alone, through faith, that you are saved. Not of works, so no one gets to brag. It's a gift of God, right? So, so it doesn't matter that their behavior, what they do here, it doesn't move them. Faith is what moves you because by faith, you die with him or buried with him and raised with him. Now, let me ask you something. Now that you're in the prison camp of righteousness... Right? You were in the prison camp of sin. Now you're in the prison camp of righteousness. Why is it now that we believe our behavior moves us back to that prison camp every time? If our behavior is not strong enough or powerful enough to save us, then our behavior is not strong enough or powerful enough to sentence us. It is about Jesus, not about you. Right? Now, remember the context. Should we go on sinning that the grace of God would abound? Obviously not, but you do need to understand how you make the trip and what holds you there. You are held in righteousness by the blood of Jesus and your identification with his substitutionary work on the cross, in the tomb, and in the resurrection. Are you with me? And so this is the point that he's making. And so he's saying, listen, 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 Linda. Listen, Karen, and I'm sorry. Anyways, he's saying you have been translated. But here's the thing. I want to talk about the burial just for a minute. 
Because the way that we move, the way we move is a death, a burial, and a resurrection. And we talk about death. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life I live, I live by faith. And faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Right? That's Galatians. And, and so we talk about crucified. And we talk about I have been raised to life. But we don't talk a lot about the burial. And the burial is a part of this too. And so I just want two quick things about, about the burial today. And that is this. You can write this down. Number one, dead things need to be buried. I learned this when I was five years old with my hamster digger. It's okay. You can laugh now. I've grieved and I'm okay. Digger's in heaven. But I'm just kidding. But we had a hamster named Digger. And Digger went to meet Jesus one day. Now he is digging around the streets of gold. But when he passed away, my parents explained that we had to have a funeral for Digger and that Digger needed to be buried because it was natural to bury dead things. Paul makes the same point here. In Romans 6, verse 2, he says, Certainly not. How shall we who have died? He said, So there's been a death. We have died to sin. Then verse 3 says that we were baptized into his death. And then verse 4 says, therefore, therefore, we were buried. In other words, Paul's saying there was a death, and the natural thing that happens when there's a death is you have a burial. This is, this is a natural thing. And if you don't bury it, there's a reason why you bury it. And if you don't bury it, it stinks. Right? I mean, you look at the story of Mary, Martha, you know, and, and Lazarus, and, and Jesus like, roll the stone away. And they're like, he, old King James, he stinketh. That's why we buried him. We buried him so we didn't have to smell the stench of death. I've found in our lives If we don't bury things, sooner or later, we start to smell them. If you don't bury your past, sooner or later, you're going to smell it. Are you with me? Have you ever been around the Christian And you're around a little while, and you're like, <laughs> like, bro, I don't think you buried some things. <laughs> like, I saw your Instagram. You need to bury something, man. <laughs> There's some, see, Jesus paid for the penalty of sin, He also paid for the power of sin. Death. <laughs> Death is where we identify and come into being free from the penalty of sin. Burial, Paul is explaining, is how we break the power of sin. Because here's here's what he says. Verse 6, he says, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, so we would no longer be slaves to sin. He's talking about breaking the power of sin. 
And he's like, look at this phrase, would be done away with. He's like, the reason you're buried is because there's some things that need to be done away with. My experience as a pastor tells me the reason some people won't bury things is because there are things they're not done with yet. Oh, welcome to church. Right? In fact, in fact, sometimes when people tell me, like, I'm a Christian, but, but do I really need to get baptized? I mean, it's all inconvenient. It's very, most of the time, death and burial is inconvenient. It was very inconvenient for Jesus to hang naked on a cross. Very inconvenient, that whole process. But I found many times the heart of the issue, because people were like, can you go to heaven and not be baptized? And my question is, why are you asking the question? What's motivating the question? Is it you've got some things you're not done with yet? Some things you're not ready to bury? Like, I want to follow Jesus, but I like Tinder on Friday night. I get lonely and want to swipe right. I know where it's headed. Like, I want to follow Jesus, but I like clicking on that. I want to follow Jesus, but I like those things. I want to follow Jesus, but I'm okay with this pattern. I, like, I want to follow Jesus, but I've still got some desires. I have found the body of sin has desires. Right? I have found sin is fun. Don't look at me all piously religious. If it weren't, if it weren't fun, I wouldn't have a job. Sin's not fun. No, it is fun. That's the problem. It's fun until it isn't. It's fun until it hurts. It's fun until you're broken. It's fun until you're ashamed. It's fun until you feel condemned. But for that season, it is fun. If it weren't, we wouldn't have tried it. And he's saying, hey, you got to break the power See, I found the reason sometimes we don't want to die is we're still holding on to things. Then I found sometimes if we don't die, things hold on to us. Because we also, just like we need to die because of the pill, because of the potion, because of the click, because of the app, we also need to die because of the shame. (laughs) Jesus took shame to the cross, but you've got to take it to a grave. Oh, come on. This is so good. We need to die because of the condemnation. We need to die because of the guilt. Yep, yep. We, we, like the Bible says, we need to have our conscience sprinkled and, and cleansed and our bodies washed with water. Like we, we need to be done with some things, but we also want some things to be done with us. That's, that's why we go to the grave because he said, once it's done away with, you are no longer a slave to sin In other words, it doesn't have power. The reason you bury the body that was alive in the kingdom of darkness is so that the jurisdiction of the kingdom of darkness no longer has power over your life. It can't have power over something that that you buried. They're not in a cemetery today writing tickets. They're writing speeding tickets in the cemetery today. Because if it's been buried... There's no longer a place of jurisdiction. And that's what Paul is saying. If you don't want to be a slave to, if you don't want to be a slave to sin, if you don't want to be a slave to guilt, if you don't want to be a slave to condemnation, you don't want to be a slave to shame, then you need to have a funeral. You need to bury something. Here's the second thing. 
The second thing is dead things need to be buried. Here's the second thing. You can't live a new life dragging around the old one. Because Paul, Paul goes on to say, he says, look at this. He said, verse 4, Therefore we're buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead for the glory of God the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Here's what he's saying. You can't have a resurrection if you don't have a funeral. And that's really what baptism is. It's a funeral. It's, it's a watery grave. That's why we immerse because the word baptism means to immerse, but we immerse because it's, it's a type, it's a shadow, it's a picture of this, not only death, but of a burial. And I don't know about you, but my stuff, I want it buried deep. Yeah. Like I'm not trying to knock any other religion, but the reason we put you all the way under is because that's where you want to leave your stuff all the way under. Because you start burying yourself up to the waist, you start burying stuff halfway, you're going to have a zombie apocalypse on your hands. You need to bury it all the way under so that the body of sin might be done away with. That's what Paul's saying here. He's like, hey, you, you got to have a funeral so that you can have. I love this. He said, even though we should, we should walk. I like that because you study the word. In other words, Paul said, this is, this is God's heart for you, but you have to choose it. Yeah. Yeah. Like God's heart for you is a new life. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. What? Old things are passed away. All things become new. I've found he can't make all things new until you bury all things. He can't make all things new until you surrender all things. And most of the time, the battle of salvation and the battle of sanctification that we're fighting is how much are we going to give up? How much are we going to surrender? How much are we going to bury? I just felt like like today when, when God started talking to me about this message, my heart was burdened because I thought there are people that God has called you to a new life. He has paid for a new life and you really want to follow him in a new life, but you're stuck and there's some things that are stinking. And I'm telling you today, what he's saying is then bury it. Just bury it. Put it under once and for all. Take it to the grave and leave it there because there is this new kingdom that he wants you to live in, this kingdom of righteousness. You know, I thought about this because if you don't bury this body, then these laws are still in play. But what happens when you try to live in one kingdom under the laws of another kingdom? Paul had a word for it in Romans chapter 8. Condemnation. That's what condemnation is. Condemnation is trying to live in one kingdom still subject to another kingdom. Still under the rule and the law. Condemnation is always rooted in the past. Condemnation is always tied to what, what you have done. And that's what, that's what burial is so significant. That's why it's so significant because you need to bury it because something that's buried can't be condemned. Like, like you need to bury it so when the enemy reminds you of your past, you can take him to the grave where it 
lies. Like, like you need to be able to say, enemy, reminded me of my past is like going to the grave of a dead person and speaking bad. It's disrespectful, but it doesn't affect me anymore because that's where I was. That's not where I am. That's who I was. That's not where I am. I was died. I was buried. And now I've been resurrected a new person in Christ. So I'm going to share something with you that's going to seem a little bit disrespectful. So if you're not offended yet, I'm going to give you one more opportunity. But when I was thinking about this message, I couldn't get this. Don't laugh, John. When I was, I'm going to get over here. When I was thinking about this message, because he knows what's coming. When I was thinking about this message, I was thinking about this old movie that's almost like a rite of passage for men. And a lot of women have seen it. But I was thinking about this scene from this movie, Josh. And, and it's Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And, um, and, and, <laughs> and it's, it's a parody about King Arthur's quest for the, for the, the Holy Grail. Yeah, the Holy Grail. And it was made in the 1970s. I think they made the whole movie on $5. But um, I can't even have horses. They have coconuts. But there's this scene because of the plague where this person's walking through the town. Now follow me because I'm going to preach this. It's going to make sense. So get over being offended. Let me help you. And, and he's got this cart. And because of the plague, he's there to, to take all the dead bodies so that they can be buried. Because what? It's natural to bury dead things. And you can't live a new life dragging around old things. And literally, he's walking through the town. <laughs> and he's saying, bring out your dead. He has a cowbell or something. Bring out your dead. And you know what? That's what I, as stupid as that sounds, that's what I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying today. Bring out your dead. It's been plaguing you too long. It's been attached to you too long. It's been causing you to stumble too long. Like you need to bring out your dead. It's time to deal with it. And I felt like there's this one guy, he brings out this guy who's not quite dead and he's wanting to put him on the cart. Right? And he's like, here's this guy. And he's like, I'm not dead yet. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. I'm feeling better. And he's like, no, you're dead. And I feel like some people have been carrying around some things that's still kicking a little bit and it's still affecting your life and it's still influencing you and you're stuck and you're enslaved to it. And I feel like today the Holy Spirit's coming. He's saying, bring out your dead. It's time to put it down for the last time. It's time to bury it and be done with it. It's time to break the power of it. It's time to live the life I called you to. A new life. No longer longer under the jurisdiction of sin and death, but a new life under the power of righteousness. And so that's why we're here today. We're here to bury some things. We're here to bury some things. And so today, if you, if you came and you're ready to be baptized and, and you're ready, then you can go ahead and be dismissed right now so they can get you ready for that. So if that's you, you got to go ahead and move. No problem. You can go ahead and go. And, um, and now I want to talk to everyone else just for a moment and just to say this. If you are here and you need to bury something, you can join us and participate today. You need to bury it. We have clothes. We have towels. We have everything that you need. 
And so right now, as people are getting up and moving around, if you know, if you're like, man, I need to be baptized, I want to be baptized, you can go ahead and get up too. You can go right out those double doors. We have serve team waiting on you, and they would be glad to serve you. They, we've got, like I said, we got everything that you need. As we pray here in a minute, we get finished with that prayer, and you're like, there is something that says, I, I, I'm tired of struggling, I'm tired of fighting, i, I got to bury this thing. Then at any time, even we're baptizing people, at any time, if you want to be baptized, we will serve you. We have everything on hand to serve you so that you can take your next step of water baptism. And, and when people say, well, is it that really important? I think I covered that, but here's the thing. It's the command of Jesus. It's the command of Jesus. Jesus was water baptized before he started his ministry. It's the command of Jesus. In fact, he said, we should go into all the world and baptize like it is the command of Jesus. No, we cover this. No, it isn't convenient. And you may say, well, I just got my hair did and it was $200. Okay, it's been raining today. It's probably all kinky anyway. So just go ahead and let's just mess it up. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not ever going to be convenient. I think water baptism isn't convenient on purpose because most of the time some of what we need to bury is our own pride. And so I just want to encourage you today. We do immerse. We put all the way under. We've never lost anyone in this tank. It's clear water. We can find you. If you're scared of water, you don't have to be. And the reason that we immerse is, is because that's the, that's the way Jesus was baptized. That's the way burial works. And that's the way we do it. Now, let me say this. A lot of people, we've got, we get this question a lot. Well, I was baptized, you know, a lot of times sprinkled, you know, but, you know when I was a baby. And first of all, we would never want to be disrespectful to that experience or anything at all. But I would say if you were a baby or you were a child, that probably had more to do with your parents' faith than your faith. And you need a, a definitive moment to declare your faith. You need a place to bury your old life. And so I don't think it is dishonoring to that experience at all for you to step into your own experience. In fact, I think it's very, very honoring. Um, we also hear people, I was baptized as a child, but, you know, I've made some really big mistakes since then. I feel you. Me too. Um, and can I be baptized again? Absolutely you can. There's no scripture that would forbid that at all. There is a scripture that says you can work your first works over. And so um, if you want to be baptized again, we want to serve you. So I'm going to have everybody stand. And if you need to be baptized or you want to be baptized again, at any time, you can just go out the doors. We have serve team that are available to help you. I'm going to pray. We're going to go back into worship. We're going to worship together. And then as we worship, we'll have different ones coming and they'll be baptized. And again, I'm going to pray for you that if you need to be baptized, that the Holy Spirit will just confirm that to you just because I love you and I don't want you to miss this opportunity. Then we're going to go into worship together. Father, thank you so much for your grace, God, and your goodness. God, thank you so much for this moment. Thank you for each of these, God, who have come today. And God, they're going to be baptized. God, we celebrate with them. We celebrate this moment. Let it, let it truly be an altar, not just a milestone, but an altar that they can go back to time and time again and say, that's where I buried it. That's where I left it. That's where I was changed. That's where I was transformed. That's where I was translated into a new kingdom. God, I pray for, for anyone in this room right now, God, if they need to be baptized, I just pray, God, you would speak to them about that, that they would feel that nudge, that, that, that witness of the Holy Spirit just urging them, nudging them, encouraging them. God, we want everyone to take next steps and follow you that needs to today. So, we're, God, we just pray you would speak. 
And if you're out there, you may even ask, just God, is this something I need to do? Just be that, be that open. Just God, is this something I need to do? And he'll answer you one way or the other. He'll answer you. And so, God, I pray as, as we're asking that question, is this something we need to do, God, that, that again you would speak. God, now we just pray as these are baptized, let the anointing power of the Holy Spirit that destroys every yoke rest upon them and these waters today that their lives would be forever changed and transformed in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.